Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Hi, this is Angela Breidenbach with Historically Speaking. On this show, we're going to have a lot of fun exploring the fascinating love stories from history and our ancestors with guests, with tips on researching our own genealogy, and the stories of those whose love made us possible. You can find more about me, your host, Angela Breidenbach, at AngelaBreidenbach.com. That's B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And a little bit today of today's show is going to be helping you get to know me so that we have a lot of fun together in the future. When we do these different shows, we're going to talk about the love stories of our ancestors. And one of those love stories I actually got to write about. I wrote about my grandparents' love story and got to sell it. It became a novella that's called Bridal Whispers. And it's in a book that is from Barbara Publishing that has nine different love stories in it. But mine happens to be true with a little bit of fiction put in. So Bridal Whispers is in the Lasso by Marriage Romance collection, and that came out in January of 2016, in case you're listening to the show at another time. But what was fun about it for me was that I'd grown up listening to the stories that my grandma and my grandpa told me. I actually lived with them for several different years at different points in my life because of things happening in my own family. And I think that that has happened to a lot of people down through history. And one of the stories that stuck out in my mind, my grandfather was born, by the way, in 1883, and my grandmother was born in 1904. Now, do the math. That's 21 years difference. So the question is, how did this fall and summer romance happen? And I say fall and summer because my grandmother actually, they didn't get married until about 1930. What was happening then in history? Do we all know? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. We got it. This is the time of the Great Depression. And during the Great Depression, my grandfather owned a store. And this store was in Fox Home, Minnesota. And he was married to another woman. Dun, dun, dun. Well, the reality of that story is it was a gal named Rose. And Rose was a very loved, very beautiful young lady. And they had been married for 15 years and had no children. And during that time, they wanted children. They tried. He was doing farming. And he also had this general store. And it was in this little tiny town of Foxhome, Minnesota. Hi, Minnesota people out there. I'm in Montana. And I plan on taking a trip over there to visit and to see the places where my family lived back in the day. Well, in this story, and it's so, so tragic, because Christmas Day of 1929, right after the big black moment for the whole country, that's when Rose died. She had two days of this awful double pneumonia that had been going around. It was this epidemic. And she was this healthy, beautiful, vibrant young lady. And in two days' time, she was gone. And it left my grandpa running a store, helping to run the family farm, and his own mother then took ill. And as she took ill, she hung on for a while 
and finally passed away in April. Well, now we're talking several months here of one man attempting to keep his family and all these things going on around him. Well, he had married into a very large Swedish family. And he also had uh, an old Americana family, the Nelsons, that came out of Scotland and landed in Pennsylvania. There's big stories coming out of that one, too, in the future, by the way. But what happened was my grandpa, his name was Bert. My grandma's name was Maybelle. And Bert's first wife was Rose. Now, do we have all these people straight? Okay. So Rose passed away. My grandpa was devastated. He loved Rose with his whole heart. Well, what happened between that time and the time his mother died was that a lot of other people died from December through April in Fox Home and in the Minnesota area from this epidemic. And it was becoming rampant and it was difficult for people to make it. We have the Great Depression going on. We have people not able to buy medicine. We have people not able to buy food. And my grandma, she was 21 years younger, remember, happened to be Rose's cousin. Rose passed away. My grandma, who had gone to nursing school and on to become a nurse over, and she traveled over to St. Paul, Minnesota. She'd been gone for quite a number of years, I think 10. And she'd gotten her high school diploma. She'd gotten her beginning entry into nursing degree. She'd been practicing as a nurse and helping out with doing um, home by home visits. She'd go to different homes like a traveling nurse through that area. She got a letter. And the letter was from her family asking her to come home and help because all of the people who were ill were dying. And not only that, but the family needed her to be a part of bringing their livelihood back together. So here she was, a professional, a nurse, and she was being asked to come back home and help run the store and the farms. So she did, she got on a train and she went back. But during this time, these, these months, um, that all these things were happening, she wrote a condolence letter to my grandpa. She loved her cousin Rose, and she had grown up admiring this pretty lady with all this musical talent and who was so kind and sweet. She admired her, and she felt sorry for the man who was widowed. And so she sent letters to him. And during all of these letters, they went on for close to a year, and that was about the time my grandma got her letter from her family saying, you need to come home. So she got on train, went home, and they didn't know quite what to do, how she might best help. So she started helping out in my grandpa's store. And he had apartments above the store. And they lived in the apartments above the store. He would go work the farm. She would work the store. But the town started gossiping. Oh, that gossip. And what happened was they got gossiped about so much that her family, his family, they pressured him to get married to stop the gossip. And the point was they weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't even sure that they much loved each other at all. They were just trying to help their families out who had connected through Bert and Rose's marriage. The problem was grandma had never been married. Mabel and grandpa was now this widower and they started talking about Mabel as if she were taking advantage of the poor forlorn widow who was grieving and it became a really difficult time for her because 
here she was, this young professional woman. And she was about, I think, 26 at the time or so. And she's been gossiped about as if she's the other woman, which was not even in her mind. And it was interesting because growing up with them in their household later, um, I heard the stories about they got married, she helped them at the store, but I didn't hear the gossip story about the town gossip until I went to visit my elderly aunt and uncle. And while I was there, I asked them to tell me any stories that they remembered. And my aunt, who was the daughter-in-law of Mabel and Bert, she's the one that told me that they got married because of gossip. Now, if you hear that kind of a story once, it's a little titillating and it's interesting. It's like, is that true? So I went to a family friend and to this family friend who she's well into her 90s now. And I said, I heard this story from my aunt. Is it true? And here's the deal. Bert and Mabel did get married, obviously, because I'm here today. They were married 54 years before my grandpa died. What was awesome was that all these different people in the country knew my grandparents for various reasons. And one of those people was a Colorado State Senator and his wife. And when they had gotten married, they rented that same apartment above my grandpa's store from my grandparents. My grandparents moved out to a farm and they started farming and doing these things because during that Great Depression, a lot of the people in Foxhome would go on credit and buy from the store. And my grandpa would give credit and give credit and give credit. He didn't want families to starve. He didn't want children to go without what they needed. And then when it came time for them to have some money, they would go into the bigger town of Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and spend their money there where they wouldn't be allowed to have credit. So eventually, within a short time, my grandpa did lose his store. But this young couple had rented an apartment for a little while, and they were named Don and Vernon McManus. And then they moved to Denver. Well, this is the same Vernon McManus that I got to go visit and say, my aunt told me this story about my grandparents. Is it true? And she kind of chuckled and she said, yes, it is true. They got married because they were gossiped about. And I said, wow, I wonder if they loved each other. And she looked at me and she said, oh, they were what everyone wanted to be. And what I took away from that was that even though the entire town gossiped about these two people and painted my grandma Mabel as, you know, the red lady, you know, the reality was that in their minds, they always wanted to do the right thing. And they did not want to be a reason for anyone else to stumble. And so they married because they wanted everything to look good and true and proper. And then over time, they fell in love. Now, the interesting thing was that being a second wife has its own elements, don't you think? Um, I'm remarried. I have uh, my husband is my second husband. And I can see where there are moments where you think about well, what was that like for them before with their other spouse or whatever. Everybody has those moments if you've gone through that. And I was a little girl, maybe, oh, maybe I was about 12 or 14, I don't know. And my grandma asked me to get something out of my grandpa's bedroom. And so I did. I went in and by his clock, which by the way, sits in my office now, 
it's this gorgeous clock and I'll have to show you pictures um, later on. You can go on over to my website, AngelaBreidenbach.com and you can see some pictures of, of grandpa's clock and things like that. There was this gorgeous portrait that was in a, in a oval glass and it was a very, very pretty lady, but I knew it didn't quite look like my grandma. And I didn't know about Rose at this time. And I came out and gave my grandma what it was she'd asked for, a handkerchief or something for grandpa. And I said, who is that pretty lady in the picture? And she, she was Swedish, by the way, and she had a light Swedish accent. And she did use certain words that were more Swedish than American. And she said, oh, that was Rose. <laughs> and then that got my curiosity going. And so I started asking about Rose. And then the story came out that Rose had been his first wife and that she had died. And I think I, I could say there was still, even whatever that was, 45 years later at that point, I think 45 to 50 years later after they'd been married, there was still that hint of wanting to be the first love. And I thought that was really fascinating. And so, that's kind of where the story comes out in Bridal Whispers. Obviously, the title you know, alludes to the fact that there was a lot of gossip and things going on around town about their love story. And in Bridal Whispers, I took it back 30 years into the past. It allowed me to have a little more flexibility with fictionalizing the story, fictionalizing the town, um, just having a lot of fun with it. Um, the conversations that they had are definitely fiction, but they're based on real conversations I had either with my grandparents or with my aunt and uncle or with um, family friends and then putting myself into that situation with my grandparents. What would it have been like if I were them writing that story? But I think it's fascinating that this, this young lady, and by the way, in Bridal Whispers, we, I talk about in the very beginning how um, I call her Mela in the story and how Mela ends up being sent away from home because there's too many mouths to feed. That story is true. Very, very true. She was told there were 13 mouths to feed and they couldn't keep feeding her. And so at 16 years old, she had to be sent off onto her own to make her own way in the world. And what's fascinating about that is she was given a purple, oh, it's an amethyst glass, hand-blown uh, water pitcher and tumbler set, which I also have in my office. So I have a little bit of my grandparents here with me every day when I write or while I'm recording. Uh, anything that I'm doing that um, has to do with with my professional life is, is actually in an office in my upstairs in my home. And this tumbler and pitcher set that came from Sweden and dated to the 1850s is there and it's got toll painting and it's white and blue flowers also on you can see pictures of it on my website on my blog and it's really interesting to me that I have surrounded myself with things that remind me of people I loved but also of a love story and it's fascinating to me too that none of this stuff is about royalty none of this stuff is about wealth in fact, it started with tragedy, and it started in a sense of being very, very poor, and it started in a sense of people 
um, creating trouble around them, creating circumstances around them. And I think every love story is unique, don't you? But I think it's fascinating that she had this amethyst picture and she was given that that day by her aunt. And I'll tell you a little bit about that too. But her aunt gave it to her and said, this is your inheritance. Now go make your way in the world. I found that out because I read my grandma's life story. She had written it front and back. And I have copies of it. And I'm actually going to publish my grandma's story, my grandpa's story, and a great aunt's story coming in the near future. Um, not sure what the title will be. I'd love some suggestions because how do you take three different people's stories and put them into a book for you know posterity, for family, also because it's fascinating history. While I was reading grandma's story, front and back pages, just, just note pages, not even lined, in her handwriting, there's about um, 24, 25 of them. I'd have to double check the page length. In there, that's where that, that story was written that when she was 16 years old, she was told there's too many mouths to feed. You need to come make your way in the world. Could you imagine doing that with a 16-year-old today? I think that would be terrifying. And in fact, 16-year-olds today, I don't think we have the same sense of maturity that we did back in the 1920s when this happened with my grandma. Uh, I think we do things differently nowadays. And I'm not saying right or wrong, good or bad. I'm just saying we do. And in 1920, when she had to go make her way in the world, she had not even graduated high school. I have her diploma. I also have her, she was a Swedish Lutheran, and she was first born here from Sweden. I also have her um, confirmation that uh, certificate written in Swedish. And it was from Swedish Grove Lutheran Church. It was so cool. And so this kind of comes into the story of how do we start to collect our own ancestors' love stories like this? To me, this is a fascinating love story. I mean, I'm just all over wanting to learn about this. Could be because it's my own family's love story. But when I look at the fact that these two people were married for 54 years, they had three children, and out of those three children, I am one of their grandchildren. I think it's pretty spectacular because they never intended to get married. And I think that a lot of people intend to get married. They want to get married. They want to find love. But my grandma, she was a professional nurse, and that's what she wanted to do. She got her high school diploma while she was living and working on her own. She went to nursing school, put herself through nursing school, living and working on her own. So can you imagine being called back home and then being gossiped about and then finding yourself married a very short time later to somebody who was married to someone you admired and who maybe still loved that person, even though they were gone? A difficult circumstance. And yet, the end of the story when my grandpa passed away, I was 18, and it was the day after Christmas, which I found fascinating because his first wife died Christmas Day. He died the day after Christmas, and he died of double pneumonia. She died of double pneumonia. That was also fascinating, but yet 
grandma and grandpa loved each other very, very much, and you could see it in how they worked together as a team and as partners. But what was really, really fun was that understanding how much they loved each other, they enjoyed walking together, going down. They used to, alleys used to be safe in Denver, you know, and they would walk down the alleyways and they would go um, bargain hunting on Saturdays at all the different garage sales. They had you know, little dogs and cats that they loved and they had a home that was warm and full of people all the time. And the end of the story was that they loved each other and they had grown and learned how to love each other and how to pass that on. When grandpa died and we had his funeral, there was this massive blizzard and grandma had grown so used to being with grandpa that even after the funeral, that same day, she'd been at the funeral, she'd been out to the grave, she knew that grandpa was gone. And yet, she stood up at the coffee table. Everybody was in the kitchen having coffee. So that's why I say coffee table. Coffee was a big thing in my family. And she said, oh, I'm, I need to get busy. It's time to feed Burke's dinner. And I think about that. And I think the habits that go into making a long time love story, the habits those are amazing. Sometimes we think love has to be all, um, I don't know, the, the fireworks and the sparkles and the zipping feelings that's going up your arms when you touch them. You know, it just tingles all the way through your body. But you know what? Don't forget the habits of love. And that is something that I learned. That was deep, deep love from my grandparents. The habits of love. The caretaking being there day after day, week after week, year after year, the taking care of the people around you, opening your home to others so that they're a part of your story. And that's what my grandparents left me as a legacy. I sat at my grandpa's knee throughout my childhood and he had started to go blind and a little bit deaf. And I had long, dark hair most of my life. And he would have me pull the footstool over and sit by his rocker and he would reach out his hand and he would stroke my hair and he would tell me stories of his life. And sometimes he would sing me hymns and sometimes he would play his harmonica or we'd listen to the Bible on records. Now this is dating me, isn't it? Because they used to have, and I'm sure they still have ways of doing this, but they used to have a way for people who were blind to get the Bible on records and he would turn that on. And some of the songs we sing now in church, they'll choke me up, both in worship, but because they're songs I sing with my grandpa. And some of the things I have around my home, it isn't that it's a thing. It's that that thing belonged to people I loved. And through those things, I still have memories. I have needlepoint that different grandmas made, but my grandma Nelson, Mabel, who is portrayed as Mela in Bridal Whispers, I have her inheritance, a purple amethyst glass, water, pitcher, and tumbler set that has the white and blue toll painting that came from Sweden. And here's the irony. It isn't worth very much. And do you think I care? 
I do not care. The clock that my grandfather had, it was made in 1888. He was five years old. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I've tried having it refurbished. Do you think I care that it really isn't worth much because it's a clock that was made in multi-manufacturing back in 1888? I don't care. It was my grandpa's clock and it was a way to connect to him over time. Do you see the irony there? <laughs> the symbolism, the beauty of how a story from the things that we have around us to the people, to the whispers that created a long, long, lifelong romance that brought me into being. I love that symbolism. How about you? What are the stories in your life? What are the stories that draw you into a lifelong love? Or was there a black sheep? And that black sheep somehow begat someone that started the lineage that begat us. Won't it be fun to discover those things as we go back through time? So I promised you some genealogy tips and ways that you can discover a little bit more about your ancestors. One of the biggest genealogy tips that you get from any professional genealogist is find the stories closest to you first. Ask your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and your uncles, anyone you can find, and write down those little tidbits. Have them write out their life stories, remembering where they got married, the dates, remembering how they met. And was there anything significant that they were given in the process through their lifetime that might be something that you still own today or that was passed on to you? Is it a china set? China's not even that popular anymore because people can't put it in the dishwasher. Really? What's the story behind that that might make it a little bit more of a significant item to you? Write the story around those things and they stop being things and they become something that creates a memory that you can tell the story to your children and their children and their children because you know in the Bible there's a verse and it talks about the opportunity to create blessings or curses. You can bless up to a thousand generations by following the good and the true and the loving and the Lord, or you can curse up to three or four generations by acting stiff-necked, by acting angry, by being a person who doesn't follow the true and the good. Which is it that you're going to be? I really love that my grandparents' story followed the true and the good, and they have blessed the generations that have come after them because they wanted everything to look proper and true. And in the process, they found love. And in the process, so did I. Not everything's going to ever go exactly right. But God will use things that other people mean for evil, even gossip, for good. So find the stories in your family. Ask the questions. And here we are coming up on Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this at a later time than Thanksgiving, I'm going to suggest you use it for your next family dinner. But here is another tip, something we're going to do in our family, by the way. We're going to create a time capsule this Thanksgiving. 
everybody in the family is going to send in something that we can put in this time capsule. And then every 10 years, we're going to open it and we're going to add to it and we're going to look at it. We want to tell the stories of the family. And I want you to tell the stories of your family too. And when it comes time that you lose those people and they move on, you will have preserved something wonderful and beautiful for future generations. A thousand generations, instead of cursing three or four with negativity, give them the stories of the love that came from your ancestors that made you possible. Now, next time you're with us, we're going to interview Rebecca DiMarino, and she's going to tell us a love story that happened back in the 1500s in her family. We don't really care whether we're telling stories here on Historically Speaking, whether or not these things are going to be um, a generation ago, 10 generations ago, five generations ago. We're not worrying about doing it in any particular order. We just want to tell the stories of how we came to be. So thank you so much for being with me today on Historically Speaking with Angela Breidenbach. This was our first show. And next time, you're going to enjoy hearing Rebecca DiMarino and how she came to be through a long lost love in the past. And next time, if you have questions that you'd like, tips on genealogy, definitely send them in and be ready to uh, call in and visit with us. I'm so glad you're with us today. Speaking with Angela Breidenbach, and this is Blog Talk Radio, Along Came a Writer.